the right amount of drunk for this. I have a million points. <laughs> Dead characters do not yield spin-offs. This is serious business. Greetings, the galaxy is in danger and only a merry band of misfits can save us. So grab a drink because this is serious business. I am Jeff, your host for this week's episode, and I am joined by John and Michelle. Hey. So let's start with John. John, how's it going? Good, Jeff. Good. Good. Very good. I like your enthusiasm with your good. Yes. Everything's great. Fine. (laughs) Totally okay. So John, if you had a mixtape and or theme song, oh. what would it be? What would what would what would the first piece of music be on uh, your on your space walker? That's a really good question. Does it have to be from the eighties? No, it can or be 70s? any any time you want. Whatever song you want from uh, Elvis Presley to Metallica. Whatever, uh-huh. whatever you want. Funny you should say that. Um you should say that. Uh it would probably be Orion off of uh Master Puppets. Oh yeah, can you can you do a, a just a just a smidge of Orion? Just, it doesn't have to be much. Just, just <laughs> even hum the melody so people know what what music would play as you uh, flew your ship in to save the day. Um. Okay. This sucks. <laughs> no, it's 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 a difficult song to hum, but I'll, I'll give it a try. Okay. Um. Do, 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 do. That was excellent. I don't know. <laughs> knowing knowing the song, that was. I haven't excellent. I haven't listened to it in a while, so. Mm-hmm. I... I approve highly. I approve of your choice, one hundred thousand percent. So, John, what if anything are you drinking this fine evening? Uh, I'm drinking a Sam Summer out of the can. Nice. Sam. That's that's what was in the fridge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> excellent. All right, let's move on. Uh, Michelle, Michelle, how is it going? Uh, it's going pretty well, Jeff. Glad to hear it. Uh, so, Michelle, I get a hold of your interstellar Walkman, mm-hmm. and I press play. What is the first song that I hear? Uh, uh, that's real tough. I think it would probably have to be In My Life by the Beatles. Mm, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so can you can you hum a little bit, sing a little bit, just, just a smidge to give, people, <laughs> give people an idea of what kind of song this is? Uh... Dun 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 dun. There are places I remember. In some practically I can practically practically hear it playing over the explosions in space right now. Yeah, exactly, right? Uh, that would be excellent. Cool, and uh, what if anything are you drinking this fine evening? I am drinking uh, life-giving water, although I really wish I was drinking one of those blue drinks that they were drinking in nowhere. Mm. Yeah, what yeah. was that? I don't know what it was, but it burned on the way down, apparently, <laughs> according to Howard the Duck. So <laughs> That's right. Spoiler alert, Howard the Duck. I'm so glad we waited for that. Yeah. Oh, man. There were so many people in the theater when that scene happened who were just like, what? <laughs> and I haven't seen Howard the Duck, but I know of Howard the Duck. So I at yeah. least was like, I understand the reference that is happening here. However, I too was disappointed because I I feel like if I had seen Howard the Duck, it would have been much more fun. But, but I feel like with a lot of these, I don't know. I don't want to get on a tangent here, but I feel like a lot of the a lot of the after credit scenes, in some way, sort of like move the ball up the field a little bit about yeah, yeah, future yeah. Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I guess that's what they were doing. <laughs> God, you think Marvel's gonna do Howard the Duck again? Didn't did George Lucas do that once, or so, someone made a Howard the Duck movie, right? Am I yeah. Crazy? Yeah. No, you are not crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. <laughs> it's exactly what we need right now. <sighs> All right. <laughs> so let's see. What would be on mine? Um, well, there is a Swedish metal band called In Flames that I'm a big fan of. Nice. And uh, one of their older songs is called Bullet Ride. And uh, I can I can try to hum it again. It's sort of like John's Metallica thing. It's it's, it's not it's weird to hum it, but yeah. But it's it's. Hmm. I'll, I'll have to do it. Da 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 It's done. It's done. It's worth it. I thought that was pretty good, Jeff. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. But yeah, that would that would totally be my song. And I am drinking precious life-giving water as well. But this weekend, I have been drinking a lot of Sapporo. I drank some some Sapporo earlier. It's a Japanese beer. It's very tasty. Would highly recommend it to people. All right, so tonight's episode is all about Guardians of the Galaxy, the new Marvel film that we have all just seen. Guardians of the Galaxy is a lesser-known comic in the Marvel Universe, as far as I know. John, you might probably know more about it than I do, frankly, but the movie centers around a merry band of misfits, including our main lead, whose name is, was it, what was his first name? His last name was Quinn. Quill, sorry. Quill, Peter. Peter. So it was Peter Quill, aka Star-Lord, who teams up with, uh... Gamora. Gamora, Zoe Sandala, I keep thinking of her by her actual actress name and not by her Mm -hmm. character name, uh, with... Gamora, as well as, uh, is it Drax the Destroyer? Yes. Yep. Drax the Destroyer, Rocket Raccoon, and Groot, a giant humanoid tree played by Vin Diesel. <laughs> In order to take on uh, Ronan the Accuser, whose name is not as easy to forget as some of the other characters, who is on a quest to uh, cleanse a planet from all life. What, what was the planet called? I can't remember. I know it was... I don't even know. It was managed I, by Nova Corps, so we'll just say the Nova people. Xandor? Something yeah, like that. Yeah. I, I got lost all the right. space names, man. It's really hard to follow. The space stuff is super hard in the Marvel Universe. But needless to say, despite all of the, the difficulty in remembering what any of this stuff is called, uh, it's a very tongue-in-cheek adventure filled with great character moments that at least I found enjoyable. Did you guys like it? Yes. Yeah. And it was filled with famous people. Filled to the brim with famous people. Like, I'm pretty shocked when I look at the cast of this movie. It's like Glenn Close is in it. John C. Mm-hmm. Riley is in it. Karen Gillian from Doctor Who is in it. Uh, you've got... Who else? Benicio Del Toro. Yeah, Benicio Del Toro shows up. Right. <laughs> uh, you've got Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon for some reason. Although he did a much better job than I was expecting. Yeah, so. it didn't really sound like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you guys uh, have a particular favorite character out of? Because it is an incredibly colorful cast. Like the, yeah. the character designs are great, and the the acting and performances were really great as well. Uh, it seemed like everybody had sort of their unique stamp. But yeah, let's let's actually start with Michelle on that one. Michelle, did you have a, a favorite person throughout this? Uh, movie? I I'm really surprised to hear myself say this, but I think I have to give it to Groot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He had that Hodor-esque, like, quality. Mm-hmm. 
that uh, you can't you can't you can't help but love him. He's mm-hmm. soft and sweet on the inside, even though you wouldn't want to cuddle him. But he can kick ass when he needs to. Yeah, definitely. He's kind of horrifying in that way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? This this movie does the very typical comic book thing of like all of the bad guys are faceless except for like two of them. Maybe mm-hmm. three. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll say three. Three of the bad guys are not faceless. But there's there's endless legions of Shi'ar-esque, you know, faceless dudes that get killed. And Groot, like, murders several of them in really terrifying <laughs> ways. Like, yeah. really. Like, if, if, those, if you had replaced those CGI-generated faceless creatures with people, we would all be terrified. Um, yeah. But... Because they're faceless paper people, it doesn't really matter. It's like, oh, it's so yeah, nice sure. that he impaled all of them and shook them around the room and slammed them against the wall, and you know, in a nod to the Hulk throwing Loki around. And, uh, Jeff, that was he, cute. He can let off these firefly like little spores, isn't yeah. he? So sweet. He is very sweet, and he did have the the heart wrenching like I'm gonna tree hug. I, I'm a tree that hugs you. <laughs> moment um where he saves everybody um i thought it was funny he kind of had like an iron giant type uh type demise there you know like he sort of sacrifices himself for everybody but in the end his his little piece Mm -hmm. he sort of comes back together yeah right and has the most adorable like credits sort of scene where like Mm -hmm. tiny groot starts dancing yeah Um, and he's also voiced by Vin Diesel, that's, yep. the, yeah. that's the connection. Yeah, there's a great interview uh, on The Tonight Show from last week with Vin Diesel where he talks a little bit about doing Groot, and uh, they made him do all the different languages for I Am Groot. It's the first movie he's ever had to do all of the, the multilingual performances. So, uh, yeah. yeah, Jimmy Fallon had him do a couple of them, and he was like... He he did the French one and the French one, you know, Je suis Groot. He, he was like, he was like, well, you go a little, you go a little high pitch there. And he's like, do Spanish, and then he's like, soy Groot. And he's like, I I see that Spanish is a little lower pitched, you know. That's interesting. But yeah, it's it's a cute interview. Definitely recommend people check it out. Bradley Cooper have to do that? No, I I that would be hilarious though. <laughs> and he's in there for like one day doing like you know, I am Groot. I am Groot. I am Groot. Yeah. Okay, you're done, Vin. Bradley, come on in. We've got seven months of work to do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so John, what about you? Do you have a favorite favorite character? Uh, yeah, I, I gotta give it to Rocket. I mean, mm-hmm. that might be the popular answer amongst viewers, but yeah, I mean, I think I think he had the the best moments. He actually looked really good. Like I thought. Yeah. The character design of him was like shockingly good. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. talking animals, I always have a really hard time with. I just, I don't buy them. They're kind of like the uncanny valley for me, even when they're really done well, but... I thought it was pretty believable. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I agree with you, and like, up until that moment where he's sulking at the end, and he gets pet and comforted, (laughs) like, I totally, I I forgot he was a raccoon in like a weird way. Like, I kind of, I kind of thought that too. Yeah, they, they, you're right. They did a pretty phenomenal job. I mean, he feels heavily stylized and cartoony, but that's that was the right decision. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, but that character's always been like that. Yeah, I have to agree. I think I think Rocket and Groot ultimately both steal the show. I do have to give a lot of props to uh, to Chris Pratt for being yes. a very good leading man, even though, you know, his character was slightly obnoxious at first. It was a little too like. 
hey, I sleep around because uh, you yeah. know, I was an orphan and uh, you know I'm just so roguish and dashing. But he got he got better, even though he he's, he's switched from like that to authentic stand up guy really fast. I didn't I didn't care that much because he said funny things and it made me laugh and clap like <laughs> like, like some kind of seal, some kind of movie. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'll actually say that I liked I liked a lot of the villains in the movie. <laughs> They were they were all presentation villains. Certainly, uh, we we had our antagonist discussion a couple weeks ago, and we talked about how uh, some villains it's just it's just in how they're presented and that makes them cool. Like Ronan was not a great character at all. Like he's, no. he's yeah. pretty, pretty one note, pretty, yeah. pretty straightforward yeah. guy. But you know, it's it's it may be that I saw this in like three D IMAX or whatever. But when he <laughs> drops the hammer, he drops the hammer. You know, you're you're like. You're pretty scared of that guy. Just, just his. Pre- he had good presence, very good mm-hmm. presence, and even Thanos. Even though, honestly, like, I don't, I don't read the comics too much, but I've seen Thanos in the comics, and even in the comics, he looks kind of ridiculous. He's like a giant gorilla alien. I can't take that too seriously. But, yeah. but even him in the movie, when he turns around at his throne with his massive golden armor, it's, it, it was pretty. I was like, okay, these guys, these guys are pretty, pretty scary and legit. I like that. And then uh, I liked Karen Gillian a lot, too, actually. And I think it was because I didn't even recognize her until, like, two-thirds of the way through the movie. I was like, oh, that's her. <laughs> right. I knew she was in here somewhere. Um, and that's just a mark of a, a talent. Because, again, the character was pretty one-note. But any any actor who can make me forget that it's that actor. Like, mm-hmm. Zoe Saldana was obviously in full alien makeup, but it was still pretty clearly her for Karen Gillian. It was like, the, there's nothing of uh, of Amy here. Nothing yeah. whatsoever. Like, yeah, that is not Amy Pond. It's not even remotely close to Amy Pond. And that was that was cool. It was fun to see that. Yeah. So, I gotta give the villains props. Uh, all of them. All of them did a good job. I guess I, I want to ask what your guys' theater experience was like, because I talked about seeing it in IMAX 3D, and it felt real right for that. Uh, did you guys see it in any kind of... Yeah, what, what was your theater experience like? We went to a 7 o'clock show. It was pretty full. Yeah, there uh, were a good number of kids. Yeah, there were a lot of kids. We saw it in just 2D. We skipped the 3D. But, I mean, it was pretty pretty typical. Nothing... yeah. It was a pretty pretty quiet crowd for an opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there wasn't very much like audience response to things. Like yeah, there, there were a couple, were... you know, a couple laugh points that yeah, people generally laughed at. Right at. But other than that, there weren't any cheers or any claps or anything. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was it was a pretty full theater and yeah, I was surprised by the amount of kids though. It's also like a Sunday showing, so it's not like. I feel like the real enthusiastic vocal crowds are on like Friday night, Saturday, you know, like, so by Sunday, you know, you maybe get the older people and, and kids that, you know, might not really cheer when, you know, Thanos comes on or something like that. Yeah, I hear you. I am actually kind of bummed that you guys did not see it in 3D because uh, it, it's the first movie in a long time, probably since Gravity. When I saw Gravity in theaters, oh, yeah, that yes. I've seen in 3D and been like, that was supposed to be in 3D, like that oh, was really? that was that was this was made for this kind of technology. There are a lot of great shots, even the little shots oh, like the in between shit. shots that 
where depth was like clearly taken into account. And I don't know ah. too much about James Gunn. In fact, just right now I'm going to look up what else he's done. See, that's why I, a lot of times I'll skip the 3D unless it's a movie that I know is really like shot in authentic 3D, but yeah, I don't know. I that kind of bumps me out. Like I, I wish I would have seen it in 3D now that, now that you say that. Yeah, it's little things like even very early on that sh- the shots in his spaceship when he's like flying yeah. around inside of it like those sorts of shots are amazing in 3D like they're they're done super duper well so all right James Gunn let's see what's your what's your filmography like he has really not done a lot oh i guess he 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 wrote slither and he wrote super so he's definitely got this tongue in cheek oh, yeah. sort of history uh, both of those movies are very tongue in cheek they kind of play with genres a bit but other than that this is this is definitely his first big movie and of course they've already now announced guardians of the galaxy 2 that could have oh yeah of course that could have something to do with the 94 million dollars it supposedly made this weekend and i'm i'm excited about that i do wonder though and i want to see if you guys have any thoughts on this we saw this with uh, Gina, who was a guest panelist a while ago and uh, i saw it with Lori as well and we talked about a little bit about whether or not we wanted this to be involved with the avengers at all on a sort of cinematic level and and there was definitely a sentiment expressed that we think this should be sort of separate like the avengers should be doing their thing that should be sort of the serious business marvel movie thing mm-hmm. but then but then we want to keep this in kind of its own little world where it's like oh here's what these guys are doing by the way and and yeah. they're, they're kind of more silly do you guys feel the same way or would would you be excited by some sort of merging of the marvel i mean i universe? i feel like isn't thanos important to the avengers somehow i don't really know very much about him but he somehow is connected to the Avengers, or no? I'm wrong. He was on in that. the credit scene of the Avengers. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't really know that much about Thanos. I don't really know that much about any of these characters yeah. beyond what was in the movie. To be honest it, with you, I mean, I mean, if it really does feel like different worlds, even though I know in the last Avengers we dealt with like you know space stuff, but uh, honestly, uh, I actually. I don't know. I like this movie much more than Avengers, so I would, I don't know, I would think I would hate to see them come together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a different feel. It's such a different movie. It doesn't seem like they belong in the same world. I think they might, like, check in with the Avengers, you know, like, they might, like, I think it would be fun if they popped up for, you know, a scene or two, and their paths sort of briefly crisscrossed, and they made a cameo in an Avengers movie. I don't really see them teaming up, but, yeah. I mean, who knows? Yeah, I think broadly I agree with you guys. That, that that makes a lot of sense. So, seeing it in 2D, obviously, maybe maybe the visuals were... Uh, well, were the visuals still really impressive? Because to me, they were yeah. like balls to the walls. These are some of the best summer movie visuals I've ever seen. Like, I mean, I didn't feel as strongly as that, but uh, it was still visually a very striking movie. Yeah, it was... I, I agree with you, Jeff. It was some good space visuals without being, like, really way over the top. I mean, if you can, if that makes any sense. Because it was it was still clear where you could make out 
what was going on and it wasn't just a big jumble of you know special effects nonsense in your face like the sensory overload that we get most of the time in summer movies Mm -hmm. yeah i hear you i definitely hear you yeah i guess for me i just uh i was really impressed with the color palette Mm -hmm. um it's rare that you get a movie this vibrant like even even little things like when they get into the prison they spray them with orange water it's like there's there's no there's no practical reason to have that in the movie aside from the fact that like it just puts a unique aesthetic stamp on everything. And then, like, the Benicio Del Toro character, that character, that, like, eccentric sort of character has been in so many different movies. Guillermo Del Toro loves that character. Like, there's one in Pacific Rim. I think there's probably one in the Hellboy movies. In Pacific Rim, it's it's like the Ron Perlman guy who's just, you know, dressed really eclectically here. It's Benicio Del Toro. And they just give him this great, like, kind of white outfit and this weird sort of eye makeup, and he just Mm -hmm. looks, like, really good. And then, of course, so many different alien races with really, like, vibrant colored skins and some great ship designs. So, like, I just... I could watch this movie with the sound off and still probably like it, even though with the sound on, it's considerably better. <laughs> um, yeah. The writing is very is very quirky and, and witty and enjoyable to listen to. So, yeah, that's my two cents on the visuals of this movie. But yeah, on that note, I think it is actually time for our first refill break of the episode. So we will BRB. Woohoo! And we're back! So, even though I just went on a spiel about how much I enjoyed myself, <laughs> I do want to ask you guys, was was there anything that you didn't particularly like about the movie? And maybe we'll start with John on that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the biggest, the biggest drawback for me was at the beginning, when there was a lot of, when all the characters were being introduced, there was a lot of uh, space exposition being thrown at us, and the need, so like, you know, we met Star Lord, and then we met Michael Rooker's character. Uh, I, I don't even remember his name. Oh, the the guy, um, the traitor guy that took Peter Quill. Oh, I don't even remember Zandu. Oh, yeah, yeah, Yondu. Yondu, Yondu yeah. yeah. So it's like here's Yondu, and then we're on Xandor and Ronin, and we're given all these like really difficult to remember names and places and then like they're all giving their backstory about like Xandor by the blood of Xandor we will I will avenge my people and the they decree, yeah. yeah like who killed who and who invaded who and, and a lot of it was kind of I felt like there was just one line to explain this and this character's entire motivation and we're meant yeah I mean it's, it's a summer it's a summer movie so I don't expect too much but like I also was like well why is this guy so bad he's just but but I, I I just want to add to that that as the movie progressed, I started to wonder if that was meant to be a little tongue in cheek, like if it was sort of intentional to because I feel like with a lot of these space movies, that exposition of everyone's stories can get like really ridiculous. So I'm, I'm wondering if it was meant to. Yeah, be. It, it might possibly be a little intentional for some reason. But I mean, I, I got over it pretty quickly once the movie got rolling it was easier to keep track of everything so it was just like a little bit of a stumble in the beginning but then i feel like the movie righted itself by the end yeah i I, unfortunately i think that wasn't intentional at all i think honestly i i don't follow comics religiously the most i get is 
Uh, and I, I would endorse doing this if you're if you if you appreciate comic books but you don't really like to follow them. On the Penny Arcade forums, they have a comic book section, and all just about every week they'll do a moment of the week threads, where people will post about their favorite comic book moment of the week, and it'll they'll usually post scans as well, so it'll be like a page or two. Obviously, not the whole issue or anything like that. But I'll check out a lot of stuff in there from time to time when I'm just sort of in the mood for for seeing something out of my usual element. And there's a lot of Avengers sort of Marvel space stuff in there, and it's crazy. Yeah, it's um, ridiculous. It's, it's like, you know, there are space gods, there are crazy alien races, there are multiple dimensions... Like, mm-hmm. the Avengers fight other Avengers from space. Like, there's all sorts of weird stuff uh, yeah. in that world, and it's very complicated. So I think the movie wasn't trying to be tongue-in-cheek with it. I think it was trying to capture some small bit of it without overwhelming you. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, but, but you're still right. Like, at first, you're kind of like, Who, what are the crazy... Wait, what? Who's the... <laughs> and yeah. obviously, like, even at, when we were doing the intro of this episode, we were like, what were the names of the <laughs> again? But so it does, Sandor is a planet. Yeah. It does do a really good job, though, of, of making it incredibly clear who you are supposed to be rooting for at any yeah. given time. Yeah. And that, yeah. it does that with ease. It's incredible. Like, I never, I was never like, I don't care who wins right now. I was like, oh, yes. Oh no, that's yeah. bad. That, that <laughs> thing's They're happening. They're gonna kill those girls with the like the big eyes and the blue skin, the yeah. you know magenta skin. Oh, yeah. no. no, that one guy in the ship who was kind of a dick is now being crushed as it breaks through. No. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So Michelle, what about you? Is there anything in this movie that that stuck out to you the wrong way? I mean, no. It was just it was just that oh, a lot of the characters did seem a little bit one note. In particular, the Ronin family in general, all of Thanos' kids, it seems very easy yeah. for them to just, just turn rock. their back on each other and turn their back on Thanos. It was supposed to be this powerful guy, but they're really not too afraid of him, it seems like. But, mm. I, I mean, the movie itself, as long as I don't think too much about that, about the fact that these characters, they've got their own interesting motivation, it's, it doesn't ruin it for me. But it's just, if you think too much about it, it's like, well, why does she decide that she's just going to trade her, you know, she's going to turn her back on the rest of her family when... And what does constitute a daughter of Thanos? Mm-hmm. Like, what did... Like, I don't know. He adopts that, them yeah. and then turns them into these weapons. Did he just claim but... them as his daughters or what? What does yeah. that mean? I mean, But he I... has no power over them, but... Um, I'm not sure. Yeah. It seemed like seemed like he uh, he just collects daughters for every planet yeah. he destroys or something. Yeah. Which is kind of creepy and like I guess a pretty cool villain concept I guess but but yeah I mean Thanos in general this movie and and I guess that's probably my my weakness as well is that I feel like it relied on you being well versed in comics to give a shit about Thanos. Yeah. Um, well, I don't even like I said I don't know. I don't know anything about Thanos, but right. you and, get and the I point. I should have said like, comics. I should I should have said like Thanos in the comics. Like mm-hmm. you, you, if you have read the comics that involve him, like, yeah. Then then the movie probably takes on a totally different light because uh, otherwise he's he exists as like one giant imposing plot device, and from a presen- from a presentation standpoint, again, that's kind of cool. But I could totally see how people would be like, why is that guy in the movie? Why do we need him? 
Like, yeah. You could, if, if you were taking this movie in a vacuum, you don't need him. Mm-hmm. He is not yeah. necessary at all. Well, um, um, I, I think an example of that would be like the, um, the Infinity Gem that they're after. Mm-hmm. I know a little bit. I mean, the one thing I know about Thanos is that he has the Infinity Gauntlet. Right, mm-hmm. the big golden glove with all the gems in it, which is uh, very well explained by Patton Oswalt in that. Um, oh God, yeah. The Star Wars pitch. As he is training the Padawans, we pan outside of the control uh, window to a nearby asteroid, where we see. And please allow me to finish this because it's going to seem like a bit of a jump. We see Thanos who was the oh, villain teased at the end of the first Avengers movie. Now, Thanos, as you know, owns the Infinity Gauntlet, which has the Time Gem, the Mind Gem, the Power Gem, the Space Gem, and the Reality Gem. If he holds the Reality Gem, that means he can jump from different realities. This will be our link from to the Marvel Universe from the Star Wars Universe. Uh, we then cut to Earth. Uh, Tony Stark. But the Infinity Gauntlet is basically a big glove with the different gem with different gems in it. Oh, all those six ones. Yeah, the, the six different gems that sort of possess different power. And the one of the, the the gem, the MacGuffin of this whole movie is one of those gems. So if you don't know, like going in, like the regular oh, moviegoer would, you know, like to to a regular moviegoer, it would come off like, okay, that's just. You know, that's like the big device of power that he's after. But uh, I mean, somebody who's familiar with him in the comics knows that that is one of the infinity gems from the gauntlet. So it's like this whole other level of appreciation you have. I don't really know anything about it beyond that it goes into that, that infinity gauntlet. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was cool to have that, that knowledge. Sense. So I'm sure there's, there's other pings that go off if you know more about the characters. Yeah, I just took a look at the Wikipedia page for the Infinity Gems, and it's actually kind of a cool Wikipedia page. I'm putting putting on my comic book guy glasses right now and pushing them up my nose. <laughs> but, um, uh, it looks like the purple gem actually is the space gem. It allows the user to exist in any and all locations. It does not allow you to destroy planets. God, movie. I got it wrong. But no, it's uh, it's pretty neat. This 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 page has all the different gems, what they do, and um, yeah, there's like the time gem, the mind gem, right, and all of the those are the only two I as know. well. And it looks like the complexity that I talked about earlier is touched upon on this page because every gem has a list of like seventeen known owners, and they're like several of them are characters I've never heard of. Like Moon Dragon and Grandmaster and Primeval. Well, actually, Primeval I think was an X Men character. Nightman, Black Black Bolt. I, I think Black Bolt is supposed to be super powerful or something, but I don't I don't know much about that. But yeah, so it, it sounds like in general the the problem that this movie has is it's dealing it's it's taking a piece of a very complex loaded ass piece of a bunch, <laughs> bunch of lore. And and trying to slice it into a digestible two-hour chunk for an audience. So, yeah, I I agree. There there are some inevitable problems that really do come with that. All right, so, well, uh, on that note, I think we ought to move on to final thoughts and ratings. Well, let's start with Michelle on that one. Michelle, what are your final thoughts on Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, I think that aside from its flaws of some of the extra exposition and some of the really complex ideas that are simplified, I think that the movie is really 
worthwhile. It's a really good story in general. The characters are interesting. It's funny. It keeps you going. The action sequences are spaced enough where I think it, it really didn't feel like a very long movie at all. And I thought that I liked seeing the characters. I liked seeing them come together, but it didn't feel fake. So I certainly, I certainly like the Avengers. would. Yeah, the Avengers seemed really contrived. Whereas this one, I kept waiting for somebody to say the Guardians of the Galaxy. And when they said it, I kind of was like, oh, okay, that's fine. You know, <laughs> like, I felt, I felt okay with it when Ronan said it. Uh, but yeah, it, I felt a lot more believable that this ragtag group could come together. And I, I liked their interactions together. So I think for that alone, it's worth checking out. Cool. All right. Well, on a scale of one to five, not really believable John C. Riley families. Um, <laughs> yeah. what, what do you give this movie? I'd give it a four. A four. Solid four. All right. Cool. Let's move on to John. John, what are your final thoughts? Well, I think my biggest takeaway for this movie is that I, I got to give it mad props for taking like a D-list yeah. set of characters that quite frankly, I had never heard of before the movie was announced. I was like, what is Guardians of the Galaxy? You know, like, it's some crazy space thing with a raccoon. This is ridiculous. What are they doing? But, you know, props, mad props to James Gunn for, for taking this set of super obscure characters and making a really good movie out of it. I mean, like, like Michelle said, the, the dynamic between the characters is really interesting. The reason that they all wind up together is believable. And they're just fun to watch. Yeah, and, and all the characters really work. They have a good amount, all of them have a good amount of develop, you know, character development. And I think it's something that, uh, quite frankly, the Avengers could uh, take a few mm -hmm. notes from. Shots fired. Yeah. Uh, but it was good. Mm -hmm. Good flick. Well, on a scale of one to five indestructible balls made of wood what do you what do you give this movie shields made of wood i'll even i'll even <laughs> revise it indestructible shields made of wood because man the, there were a lot of those in this movie um, bullets explosions <laughs> giant spacecraft crashing wood will stop any of that guys of course man um, so what what do you give this movie uh i would give it a four as well cool all right uh let's see my final thoughts um, I think what separates this movie from most other comic book movies is the impressive nature of the visual craft. It's not just that the effects are good or exciting or showy, it's that they're, they're composed well. You know, even if you look at the title sequence when, when he's dancing into this giant ruinous cavern and then the text Guardians of the Galaxy appears on the screen and it's sort of all synced up in the music and he's just sort of this little silhouette in this giant beautiful setting. That level of detail is, is pretty rare in a comic book movie. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's that beneath the flashiness of it, there was, there was real care taken to make every single piece of this look and feel unique and, and fascinating. And then you throw a really solid action comedy on top of that, and you get, you know, in my view, a contender for the top Marvel movie of all time. Um, I definitely had a better time at this movie than I have, you know, it rivaled the Avengers for me. Obviously, I like the Avengers way more than you guys, because I'm not allergic to fun. 
So <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to stop saying that. I know it's kind of obnoxious, but I'm never going to stop saying that. Super obnoxious. But, uh, yeah, I, I really like this movie. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I would put it above A Dark Knight or anything like that. Again, no. It's sort of an apples and oranges comparison. But but it, it is easily one of the my top, you know, five, maybe even three comic book movies I've ever seen. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. On a scale of one to five, speeches from Glenn Close filled with righteous indignation. <laughs> I will give this movie a 4.25. Nice. 4.25. Wow. I feel like there's a lot of enthusiasm difference between our 4 and Jeff's 4. Like, that, <laughs> that 0.25, like, I, I wouldn't, I don't know that I'd put it in my top 5 comic book movies. Definitely top 10. I don't know that I'd put it up with, like, the Captain America and the Iron Man movies. Mm-hmm. I just think Maybe. that's an unfair comparison. I feel like they're so different. Let me clarify. That's on, like, execution. Okay. Like, concept execution you know story mm-hmm. yeah see i think the direction the direction in this movie they're definitely is, different the direction in this movie for me is better than in those movies yeah um but but again you know subjective mm-hmm. etc um <laughs> and you know i i did like that glenn close her first diplomatic you know video screen session with the the Cree, uh she was she was performing it exactly as she performed her role as the vice president on Air Force in Air Force One. Like you could probably put the two scenes next to each other of like her in the White House bunker, like speaking directly into the phone intensely, and her like sitting there in Novacore with her crazy hairdo, yeah. doing the exact same thing. It was like the, the totally identical delivery, and I found that very funny. So that about wraps up our, our uh, Guardians of the Galaxy talk for this episode. So we're going to finish this episode out the same way we finish out every episode of This Is Serious Business, and that's with our Geek of the Week segment, where we talk about things we've been watching, reading, doing, or playing that have nothing to do with what we've been talking about for the last 30 to 45 minutes. So let's go ahead and start with John on that one. John, what have you been up to lately? Well, this week I picked up Batman issue 33, which is the final issue of the Batman uh, Zero Year story arc, which was a a very long 11-issue story, basically a retelling of Batman's origin. And I've I've mentioned it in my Geeks of the Week week before, but it's finally, it's done, it's wrapped up. Rob and I are of the similar opinion that it maybe went on for a little bit too long and, and could have wrapped up about three or four issues ago. But I felt like it was a strong it was a strong finish. There was a good Batman Riddler confrontation in there and some good Batman uh, Bruce and Alfred stuff in the end as well. So strong finish for that one, but still good stuff. Cool, very cool. Uh, let's move on to Michelle. Michelle, what have you been up to lately? So, after reading her young adult novels, Eleanor and Park and Fangirl, I picked up Rainbow Rowell's Landline, and it's actually pretty decent. It's basically following a couple who their wedding, their marriage is falling apart, and she is able to communicate with him at another, through a landline, through a telephone in her parents' house, to when they first got engaged. And it's a really weird premise. It's not really time travel necessarily, but it feels very much like What Alice Forgot, which is another book that I read recently along a similar premise. But Rainbow Rowell is a really surprisingly good author. She writes very simply, very easily, 
but it's like reading somebody's diary, you know? And so I definitely, I'm only, let's see, only about 100 pages through, uh, but I like it just as much as I liked Eleanor and Park. So I think that if you like romantic comedies, if you like, you know, weird sci-fi-esque in your romantic comedy, definitely take a look at it uh, because it's certainly, certainly keeping me interested. Cool, very cool. So let's see. I have been diving back into Hearthstone lately, which we had an episode on several months ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Blizzard's free-to-play online card game, which is now available on iPad as well, and I've heard it is incredibly good on iPad. Um, cool. So worth worth checking out for sure. And in general, it's entirely a multiplayer experience, but just the other week they started releasing their new single-player adventure mode content. You get a little bit of it for free, and it basically consists of a series of boss fights. And the best way to think about them are just sort of mini-puzzles. Each boss has a very specific ability that you have to play a certain way to beat. And in in the normal modes, they're pretty easy, but then you can play also in heroic mode, which is very, very hard. And then it becomes like solving a really tricky puzzle. So yeah, I definitely recommend people check that out. You know, once you beat the free portion of the content, you can buy more of the single-player content. Basically, uh, it's called The Curse of Naxxramas, and Naxxramas is like this big kind of haunted evil temple and you can get into a quarter of it for free, and then the other three wings, you have to pay 700 in-game gold to, to open up. But that, you know, if you if you want to buy them immediately, it's like five bucks. It's not, not much. Um, yeah. You can earn the in-game gold uh, by completing quests and doing challenges otherwise, uh, if you have a little bit of patience. Um, so yeah, that about does it for me. I want to give you guys an opportunity to make any shout-outs and to let people know where they can find you online. Let's start with John. You can find me on Twitter at DrawTheStory. Cool. Let's move on to Michelle. I want to shout out to Rob, who was going to be on the podcast, but had uh, something better to do, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Rob. Yeah. So uh, shout out to you, I guess. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at TracingRays. I'm glad you shouted out to Rob, because I, I heard he, he he thought it was good. I think I think he was more in the, like, two and a half to three out of five territory than we were yeah uh, i think i think three out of five is where he where he stood yeah mm-hmm. we'll see maybe maybe we'll get him to explain himself through some other method a blog post or maybe a, a blurb in a future episode nice yeah uh, yeah and obviously his fantasy it, it, it was a heroic rally in his fantasy summer box office but uh oh, it's yeah. not not enough to overtake you michelle enough. no still no, not enough not enough uh, cool. Well, you can find this podcast online at tisbycast.com. That's T-I-S-B for This Is Serious Business, along with links to our excellent Tumblr, our Facebook, our official Twitter account, and uh, whatever the hell else we do on the internet. <laughs> um, and as always, I, I just have absolutely no idea how to end this episode. Who will Star-Lord's father be? Bom, bom, bom. Maybe that's a comic book answer. I don't know. Spoiler alert, it's Darth Vader. he's a jedi cool uh all right then we'll probably have some like favorite character favorite moments that kind of Mm -hmm. yeah thing and we'll do a quick uh quick primer on the plot uh let me just have a second to think of an intro question god i was about to ask if you were an alien what color would your skin be and then i was like that that could be a problem (laughs) that one might uh, that's That's space uh, racist i don't know i don't know about that yeah purple what are you, purplist? 
Extracurricular recorded. Got him out the laser pointer. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the laser pointer works every time. This is serious business. Oh, oh. <laughs>